You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert. We've got a fantastic episode for you today with a pair of superstar guests. Up first is one of my favorite people. You know him as America's veterinarian, and I know him as just Marty, Dr. Marty Becker. And later we'll be joined by Paris Hilton who was the recent award recipient at American Humane Association's gala luncheon in Florida. She'll stop by to talk about what she's doing to make the world a better place for her animal friends. Well, after a long, cold, snowy winter, it's finally spring. And you know, I'm from North Carolina, and one of our rites of passage of spring is, of course, March Madness. We've always got brackets on the brain, and this year was certainly no different for all of our basketball friends and fans. Well, here at American Humane Association, though, we participated in our own version of March Madness this year with the National Fire Dog Monument entered in the Washington Post Monument Madness Bracket Challenge to determine the best monument in the nation's capital. How much fun was this, the Monument Madness Challenge? This beautiful bronze sculpture, and those of you that have seen the photos of the National Fire Dog Monument, you know how incredibly inspirational it is. It honors the brave work arson dogs and their handlers do to protect our families and communities from this deadly and costly crime. You might remember a few weeks ago we had on Heather Paul from State Farm and Paul Gallagher from the Maine Arson Dog Program. And we really explored in that episode what it is to be an arson dog and how those dogs are so highly trained to do their very important work. Well, you know, it was an honor for American Humane and State Farm to have our national monument be in the running against American iconic images like the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial. But thanks in no small part to our dedicated listeners and fans, I'm so proud to say that the National Fire Dog Monument won the tournament. Yes, we won Monument Madness, and it was so exciting. Uh, All the arson dogs I know were cheering. It's a hearty thank you to everyone who voted for this monument throughout the tournament. We had a hard-fought final round against the National CB Monument at Arlington National Cemetery. But in the end, my friends, the dog had its day. So if you're in the Washington, D.C. area this spring and summer and you want to check out the monument that folks voted as the best in this city, chock full of monuments, it's on permanent display outside of Engine Company 2 at 500 F Street Northwest. The address again is Engine Company 2 at 500 F Street Northwest in our nation's capital. Well, with the weather finally starting to get a bit nicer, I'm sure many of you are taking your dogs on longer walks. I say dogs, but there are certainly a few of my friends who walk their cats. And to those who do, I say more power to you. I know my cats don't want to be on a leash, but you know, some have been so well trained and I wish I would have done that earlier on with my little kittens. Well, there are so many added health benefits for both you, your dogs, and your cats when you take them on those enjoyable springtime and summertime walks. And of course, there's wonderful exercise if you also go on a walk for at least 30 minutes or more. You know, I love the fact that when we have our puppy who's chewing things and getting into all those things that they shouldn't in our house, you know, taking them on a walk is a sure way to alleviate their boredom and cause them to chew less. 
You know, walking even helps to aid their digestion so they can process their food better. And having them on a regular walk schedule also means you're less likely to find certain surprises around the house. And then there's the bonding that'll happen between you and your pet. You know, at American Humane Association, our mission statement is to unleash the power of the human-animal bond. And we're strong believers in what that power of that bond can mean in our lives. So enjoy the nicer the weather. Enjoy the special bonding time with you and your pet. Your pet will thank you, and you'll be glad you did. Speaking of pet health, we have America's expert. We'll be speaking with America's veterinarian, Dr. Marty Becker, when we come back. You're listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. My first guest today has spent his entire life working for better health for our animal friends and the people who love them. He was the resident veterinary contributor on Good Morning America for 17 years and is the founding member of Core Team Oz for the Dr. Oz Show and a member of the Dr. Oz Medical Advisory Panel. You know, he has written 22 books that have sold more than 7 million copies, including three New York Times bestsellers, one of which is the fastest-selling pet book of all time, Chicken Soup for the Pet Lover's Soul, one of my favorite reads. You know, we are just thrilled today to have Dr. Marty Becker join us for the Be Humane radio show. And I'm so proud that we have his expertise on our board of directors at American Humane Association. Proud to join and and welcome Dr. Marty Becker. Dr. Becker, how are you today? Oh, my gosh. I... You know what? God can just say life is good. You know, God is good. I've got the love of my life I'm married to. I love where I live. I love what I do. I love my neighbors. I just, uh, somehow I felt like uh, somebody played favorites with me along the way. (laughs) I don't know. You know what? If this is a dream, don't wake me up. (laughs) Well, that's great. Dr. Becker, that's wonderful. And you know, I think that you probably have been so blessed because of all the blessings you've bestowed on our best animal friends. I mean, you have been just an amazing, inspirational leader as a veterinarian, one who has practiced and also shared with all of America and folks around the world how we can better improve the lives of our animal friends. You have such a busy schedule between your TV appearances, lectures, and so much more. Can you tell us about some of your recent highlights, especially about your new initiative, Creating Fear-Free Visits for Pets. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'll tell you a long story in a, in a short way, if I can. I was born and raised on a farm in southern Idaho. So you think of Idaho, you think of potatoes. And mm-hmm. yes, we did raise potatoes. And also, 
small dairy herd, beef cattle herd, horses, chickens, pigs, sheep. It was like the ark dumped over there. <laughs> and it was on the, <laughs> on the farm. And, and I always wanted to be a veterinarian from the time I was, you know, six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember people along the way, uh, a high school teacher talking about, should be a writer. You're really gifted at writing. Oh, no, Mrs. Hughes, I want to be a veterinarian. And then in college, Mr. Randall, you've got to be a writer. You're good at writing. No, I want to be a veterinarian. You know, who, who would have known that you would have gone from being a veterinarian that was also a writer and a community? Communicator. But I grew up on a place where these dairy cows had names. They, you know, you'd call them in, you'd call them, Sally, come on, Sally, come on <laughs> here, you know. And so she'd reluctantly come in with their old bag of swing and she trots into the barn. And, and I, I learned from my mom and dad about a, a really a reverence and a love for all animals. And I was lucky when I went to veterinary school, I was going to be a, a, a mixed animal practitioner, what you call somebody that would see, you know, cows and sheep and horses and, and dogs and cats, all those things. But the first day of veterinary school, uh, uh, Dean Leo Bustad, who many people kind of know as America's James Harriet, uh, one of the co-founders of the Delta Society, mm-hmm. uh, which has become pet partners, he gave this talk about the human-animal bond. And I went from the back of the room to the front of the room at the end to sign up for the people-pet partnership that matched elderly people with homeless pets. So between my dean and, and my upbringing, I've always had this love of not just the, not just the you know, being state-of-the-art in practice, just good medicine, but also, you know, reverence for the bond, that affection connection we share with pets. And this has really led me to where I am today. You know, people know me for the human-animal bond. They know me for the healing power of pets. But, you know, this understanding about the human-animal bond has led me on this initiative to create fear-free visits. And basically what this is, right now in most veterinary hospitals, you've been taught over the years you have to have good, good medicine, not good medicine, great medicine in one hand to have a successful practice. And the other hand is all the other pieces, customer service, leadership, motivation, marketing, uh, inventory control, all those things. Well, really what I'm on this mission is to keep the one hand being great medicine, but the other hand is really the emotional well-being of pets. So you have the physical well-being in one hand, the emotional well-being in the other. And what I found out, I had one of those of those kind of aha moments that some mm-hmm. people have in their life. And having run seven large hospitals and been in hundreds of hospitals and lectured to veterinarians on six continents, I was up in a meeting in Vancouver, British Columbia, and Dr. Karen Overall, who's a very well-known veterinary behaviorist, talked about the fact that fear was the worst thing a social species could experience and causes permanent damage to the brain. And there's different kinds of fear. There, there's adaptive and maladaptive fear. Now, adaptive fear, if you see somebody running into the building or into the gun, it's a good idea to run out the back door. So that might <laughs> right. be a good fear. Or if you see a, you got stung by a bee and it hurt, the next time you maybe won't get quite so close to those flowers. You know, if you're a young kid, that's right. a good kind of fear to have, to be careful. But what happens with maladaptive fear is they're exposed to the same circumstances and they have worse fear and anxiety each time. So like a pet that comes in for its first vaccinations and and it's, it's lifted off its feet, it's put on a slippery table, it gets an injection. I don't think there's any of us that love to get an, our annual flu shot or something. I mean, it's not like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. I'm going to go into our local grocery store at the pharmacy and get my flu shot today. Woohoo! You know, right. so <laughs> then the second time they come in, it's worse. The third time it's worse. And now they have maladaptive fear. And it's at least 80% of dogs and cats have extreme fear or anxiety to go to the veterinarian. And thus, they don't take their pets to the vet. They'll just uh, mm. go to Dr. Google on the Internet and try to see what's wrong in a treatment plan. They'll skip uh, preventive health care programs. So in really, everybody benefits if we can create a fear-free visit where we take the pet out of petrified and the pet will want to come in. If it's a dog, it'll accept coming in. If it's a cat, then the pet owners don't mind bringing them in. So I love that phrase, taking pet out of petrified. I love that. 
Well, Robin, this is not one of those concepts where people out there listening are going, I wonder what he's talking about. I mean, even in a veterinary crowd, I'll be in a crowd of 500 veterinarians, and I'll say, how many of you take your own pet to the vet? Or these are people, maybe technicians or nurses or, right. or office managers. They hate to take their own pet to the vet. So we're able to solve that. We've been working on it for five years, and I'll say stay tuned. Within a year, you will start seeing certified fear-free practices, certified fear-free receptionists, certified fear-free technicians. It's going gonna, it's gonna to transform our profession. Bravo, bravo. And for those of us who are cat parents, cat owners, I can tell you that's my hardest to get to the vet and to have a a good experience has always been our feline friends. And so I am so thrilled that you're doing this. This is incredible. Can I I add to this a second? I'll give you an example. In the past, we've had a cat that you would label a fractious cat. There's three things a cat does in a hospital right now. They all start with F, freeze. That's the one everybody loves, the cat that just becomes just rigid and doesn't move. And we're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is great because you can do anything to them. Mm-hmm. Although they're scared to death, that's why they don't move. Two is flight. And that's where they fly around the room and climb up the wall and knock stuff off or run around and hide under the cabinet. Right. The third one is fight. And those get labeled a fractious cap. Mm-hmm. And often it's in the medical record. It's on the computer screen. They'll even put a cage, a little thing on a cage. It's like a alligator clip with a, you know, a, a permanent plastic sign that says Fraxis Cat. And what Fraxis Cat means is there special precautions have to be taken to protect the humans in the practice. That means, you know, welding gloves, throw a towel over it. You know, who's going to go into combat? We threw all those away. We replaced it with Fearful Cat. And that special precautions have to be taken to protect the cat. It's coming in on something to calm its stomach, a chill pill, we call them. It's coming in on a magic carpet ride of pheromones. It's in an emotional isolation ward, kind of like a physical isolation ward for communicable disease, but it's put in a place where it doesn't have all the crazy activity at the back of the veterinary hospital. There's special music plays, the lights are dimmed. And uh, I'll tell you what, I had a cat last, uh, well, it was a week ago when I was practicing, and this is the third time I've seen the cat. And it went from being a caution-fearful cat to the cat went into the exam room because it's got a metabolic condition we're trying to get under control. It got up on this towel that was laying there with pheromones in it. You know, we don't approach cats in the head anymore. So, you know, typically if you've been to a veterinarian, it's tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. We always approach cats now from the behind and then don't ever get up in front of them. And uh, the cat came over and rubbed its cheek up against me and started purring. So it actually marked me as being feline approved and purred. And the cat owner gasped, and the technician gasped, and the hair just rose up on the back of my neck. So here's a cat that formerly was scared to death, but thought it was going to die every time it came, and now it comes in and was purring. Wow. wow. That's a major breakthrough. That's incredible. Incredible. I can't wait to see my practice where I take my wonderful best friends become a fear-free certified location. So thank you for that work, Dr. Becker. That's amazing. You know, we're entering spring and so many of our human friends and family members suffer from allergies. And I know I will have allergies, I'm sure, as soon as I get back home to North Carolina with everything in bloom. What about our dogs and cats? Are they affected by pollen and all the uh, the allergens in this season? You know, I was laughing to myself the other day when, mm-hmm. when spring officially started because we all have these things that our moms and dads said and then mm-hmm. you find yourself saying the same sayings now to your kids, and they roll their eyes just like I rolled my eyes when my dad would say, yes. <laughs> and he'd say, 
the spring has sprung and the grass is riz. And, it was a, and he was a, we were farmers, you know, and so he'd mm-hmm. always say, spring has sprung and the grass is riz, Marty. We've got to get to work. And he'd start seeing dust out somewhere where farmers are working their field and the way we went, you know, and everything was starting to, to come up out of the ground or come up out of the buds. And, you know, humans get red, watery eyes. We sneeze, we sniffle. And for pets, it's primarily lick, chew, scratch, bite. They get these yeah. uh, these allergies that affect their skin. And I'll tell you a few things about this. The key is always try to prevent problems if you can. And something that is brand new now, just the last couple of years, I was taught in veterinary school and preached this to my clients for years that you shouldn't bathe the pet very often because it stripped the essential oils off of them. Mm-hmm. And it's simply not true. In fact, what veterinary dermatologists recommend is uh, bathing your pets once a week throughout the year and twice a week or more during the height of allergy season. So a good example is my, we bathe our dogs every week. My daughter has pugs that are, you know, especially susceptible to allergic skin allergies. Mm-hmm. And she bathes them two to three times a week this time of year. And basically, if you if you use a dust mop or a Swiffer, you know, most of us, I think, use Swiffers anymore, those electrostatically charged pads that pick up stuff. And when I'm in a house, you know, and you use it on our wood or tile floors and you get ready to throw it in the trash can and you look at it and just go, oh God, it's gross. I don't want to touch it. I feel like I want rubber gloves on, latex gloves to touch it. You can't see the spores and the pollen and stuff that's on there too. So think of your dog as a four-legged Swiffer and everything (laughs) that's on that floor is on that dog. And what you want to do is you want to flush those allergy triggers off of them. Because wow. often what happens is it, it builds up this, uh, you know, an allergic response and they'll be, have been fine when they were younger and all of a sudden they reach middle age and they explode. And call is licking, chewing, scratching. There's red underneath their feet. You know, mm. they're chewing, biting like it's fleas and, and scratch, 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 scratch with a jingle jangle of the chain. So you can really diminish the suffering by frequent bathing. Also, this is a good idea to have some unscented baby wipes. Just buy them at bulk. At, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Costco or Sam's Club or Walmart, and just every time they come in from outside, just wipe the trunk of their body down and th- throw the baby wipe away. Oh, there also a is uh, a new drug out that I'm excited to tell people that have had pets that have suffered for years. It's called Apoquel. It's A-P-O-Q-U-E-L. And it's literally a miracle drug. It stops the itch cycle at a, you know, histamine. When you think of histamines, when you get a, a bite or you get a, a scratch and something itches, that's caused by histamine. That's why we take antihistamines. And this novel drug breaks that histamine cycle. So it's not a steroid. It's not an antihistamine. It's not a, some people have used uh, cyclosporins, which are used in cancer as another type mm-hmm. of drug that's used for itching. But this works first day you give the tablet, they stop itching. And when they stop itching and scratching and biting, by day five, they stop stinking because they don't have those secondary bacterial infections and they are cured. Wow. Talk to, your, talk to your veterinarian. The only problem, it's a, it's a product by a company called Zoetis, and, uh, which is the largest animal health company in the world. It has proved so popular that they had a three-year supply starting out. They thought it to handle the market for three years, and it was gone in three weeks. So wow. It's, it's that good a product. So talk to your veterinarian about a Apoquel and get on the list. Okay, that's great. That's great to know. You know, we've talked about allergies. We've talked about creating, you know, fear-free visits, which is an, an incredible initiative. I know something that you're very passionate about because we've talked about it, and that's your work with Operation Gray Muzzle. Can you share with our listeners and our friends what you do with Operation Gray Muzzle? Because I just think that's such incredibly important work and a great well, group. What, what happens is Gray Muzzle it works with those, you know, 
it's, there's two types of people that go into a shelter. There's some mm-hmm. that are drawn to the, the puppies, that wiggling mass of puppies or that thing with puppy breath. And they mm-hmm. go, you know, a puppy's eyes are the same size when they're young as they are when they're adults. And that's why we're so drawn to them. It's like, oh, God, you know, it's like a mm-hmm. cartoon with mm-hmm. puppy breath. And the same thing with kittens, you know, this kinetic mass of earthy smelling kittens we love that are that are acrobatic like Cirque du Soleil performers. And then there's the, the gray beards, you know, they're Johnny hip bones and they're gray muzzles and they're they're slow to rise where the puppies rush the front, you know, they may not even get up. And, and th- that's what the gray muzzle organization works for is finding forever homes for those pets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and there's just so many, so many great pets that are, you know, just want to live out the last of their life, not in a cage, but at the couch at somebody's home. And in talking to people that have adopted these, they, you know, it's often like, you know, I'm not sure who rescued who. I just had the greatest experience with this pet that uh, is so appreciative of what's been done for it. And, and, you know, if you look at a, we've sometimes romanticized puppies and kittens, and I, I tell mm-hmm. people, you know, getting a puppy is like getting a three-year-old with ADHD and a chainsaw turning loose in your house because they, you know, they're just puppies. So you're going to see them go through the terrible twos in the teenage years in one year. Right. Meanwhile, these older pets, man, they're just settled into the sunset side of life. They're so easy <laughs> to take care of. And, and it's so, so appreciative and so good for us. Yeah, that's wonderful. And we do need to make sure that they get a forever loving home for as long as they have here on this earth. So I think that's beautiful. Uh, Operation Gray Muzzle for our friends who want to look more into that organization. And it's wonderful. You know, uh, Dr. Becker, you've written an astounding 22 books, and I love those teachers who have said to you early on in your elementary and middle school what a great writer you were. You should be a writer. You should be a writer. You've certainly done a great job of marrying your passion for animals, your leadership on the national international stage as a veterinarian, and your skill as a writer. I mean, is there going to be another incredibly exciting book coming out from you soon? I mean, 22 books is amazing. You know, I've actually written 24 the two of them are ebooks. Oh. I'm of the age that I don't even count those, but I should. <laughs> but, so you should, 24. Books. I'll probably do some more ebooks, but really, my, you know, the most excited about communicating on the internet now. Uh, I myself find that's where I go and when I want questions. And so our, our online home is vetstreet.com. And also, my daughter, who's uh, a very well known trainer, thank God she looks like her mother. She got the love of animals from both of us. She might have got some drive from me, but luckily she looks like her mother. Oh. Um, we're both, our online home is vetstreet.com. And then also, uh, I also write for my own website at drmartybecker.com. But that's that's where people are finding more information. And that's where, whether it's, you know, true short stories celebrating the special effects or connection we have with pets or just hard-hitting medical news or updates. You know, like one of the things we, I was just on Dr. Oz recently and talking about taboo table foods from home and he was uh, somebody yesterday was shocked that you couldn't give pets raisins and mm-hmm. a small dog just a few raisins can put them into kidney failure so grapes and raisins are taboo uh, we got back from hawaii earlier this year and macadamia nuts cause rear leg paralysis in wow. dogs but, and you can't give onions and the, the worst threat now we're finding the number one thing that people call animal poison control for is the purposeful or accidental ingestion of human prescriptions and that, that means somebody might try a human prescription for a dog or a cat or it happens more often is it gets knocked down and they scoop up a pill or crack open the bottle that's been left by a, a nightstand but uh, mm. the second thing is xylitol and xylitol is a sugar-free sweetener that's in lots of gums lots of mints and 
it's even in nasal sprays and some other things you wouldn't expect. And it causes a precipitous drop in blood sugar and can send them into uh, liver failure. And it's not treatable. So if you think of a dog that can sniff out bed bugs, termites, accelerants and arson cases, bomb sniffing dogs, I mean, these dogs have an exquisite sense of smell. And don't think they can't smell that gum in your purse. So think, wow. think of a pack of gum or mints or nasal spray having a Mr. Yuck sticker on it, and you have to keep it up where they can't get into it because a, a single slice of gum, piece of gum, that we would take uh, can take down a 25-pound dog. I had no idea, and I'm sure many of our listeners had no idea. So this type of information, we can go to you on your website and learn so much more. Is that right? Yeah, go to vetstreet.com and also follow on mm-hmm. Facebook. Dr. Marty Becker, we're close to a half a million followers, and it's, it's really engaging. And we, uh, you know, there's certain themes you won't find the, you won't, I don't, they call it like, uh, like farming. Some people are always out there, you think the puppy's cute, hit like, and we don't do that. Ours is all, is all meaty mm-hmm. information. The only time we would ask people to share is like there's a, a pet food recall or something like that that needed to get the word out quickly. But find a, a community of people that, that love pets like family, you know, that are just almost need a dose, a daily dose of something about celebrating, protecting, and nurturing the human-animal bond. And I also want to say why I'm so so delighted to be part of the American Humane Association. You know, I actually, which is, you know, I've over the years, because of you do have a lot of media profiles, a high profile in the media, you get asked to do lots of things. And I am on three local boards of, of humane societies, and I'm also on uh, Pet Partners, which used to be Delta Side and Gray Muzzle and World Vets. But my my purpose, passion, and plan lies with the American Humane Association. I actually sought this group out because of, uh, you know, I grew up on a place where, where farm animals were treated very well, and through Humane Heartland, you know, we already watch after 10% of the, of the nation's farm animals, and, and that number is going to rise, so I love that part. The part, the focus that's always been there with children and pets, well, children, pets are other things, and then, you know, looking after really good research in the human-animal health connection, the um, education opportunities. I mean, there's, you know, four or five things. And also the things that, you know, one of my really good colleagues and friends, Quan, is a, Stuart is a the veteran that kind of hits your Hollywood group. Right. And there's six or seven other veterinarians that work. So, you know, veterinarians are the true pet health experts. And so we've got veterinarians watching after animals on set. And we've got, you know, a great group of people looking after the nation's farm animals. And the other thing is some organizations, I'll leave it unnamed, but they make a big show of some dramatic thing they go out and do. It's almost like a, let's set it up and how do we mm-hmm. optimize this then for a direct consumer uh, campaign online that we did this. And meanwhile, there's the Red Star rescue vehicles that, that AHA has that are deployed across the country that respond day after day after day. Rather than feeding an organization, you know, 97 cents a day will do this when it actually goes into lobbying or, or uh, you know, a big promotional thing. This actually goes to the American Humane Association to really help, you know, pets on the ground and, and animals on the ground. Thank you for saying that, Dr. Becker, and your, your testimony in support of American Humane means so much to all of us who are out here doing this work. So we're very grateful and we're so appreciative of your leadership on our national board. It's my honor. I mean, I'm... Uh, Till I till I draw my last breath, I'm going to support this organization. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're able to to give a dollar or a million dollars. I mean, I'd love people to feel part of this and feel the pride that I do. 
of seeing what happens every single day, whether it's a, it's a humanely raised turkey, you know, butterball mm-hmm. turkey, or it's a humanely mm-hmm. raised uh, eggs that you're going to eat, or it's, uh, or it's seeing, you know, horrific cases of animal abuse like horses that are eating bark off the trees because they're starved to death and AHA comes in with the Red Star vehicle or responding to natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Or even in these movies, you know, like uh, you know, like a loved warhorse that Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg movie. Saw the play, saw the movie, and to think back, the real warhorses in World War One, AEHA was there with the real warhorses, and right. uh, and here they are on, on farms in Tennessee helping real horses. I just love this organization, and I would encourage people to listen to get more involved with it in some way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I know you have so many fans out there, Dr. Becker, and uh, they know they can reach you at drmartybecker.com. That's doctor with dr, drmartybecker.com, and of course through Vet Street as well. And Dr. Becker, on behalf of all of your, your friends at American Humane Association, we thank you for your leadership, and we thank you for all you do every day for our animal friends. My blessing. Thank you. We'll be right back with Paris Hilton, who just won a special award, and we'll share that with you in a moment. Thank you so much. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Be Humane. A few weeks ago, we had the pleasure of attending American Humane Association's gala luncheon in Palm Beach, Florida. There, we were able to recognize an incredibly inspirational figure, someone who was able to reach millions and millions of people with a public service announcement supporting responsible pet ownership and her personal love of animals. This year, we were proud to bestow a special award on Paris Hilton, who has a long legacy of making the world a better place for animals. Right after we presented her with this very special honor, I was able to sit down with our friend Paris for a few minutes to talk about her work. Here's a little bit from that interview. Hi, this is Dr. Robin Gansard, and this is Be Humane. We're so thrilled to be here with Paris Hilton today. We've just presented our National Humanitarian Medal for all that Paris does to share her compassion and her love for animals. Paris, how does it feel to be the winner of the National Humanitarian Medal? I am so honored and proud and happy and excited for this. I love animals so much, and I do so much for them. So to be honored for something like this is just an incredible feeling and what a beautiful luncheon and I'm just so happy to be a part of such a great cause. Well Paris I tell you everyone at the luncheon was just in love with your animals. I think we saw so many gorgeous photos of beautiful cats and dogs and I think a mini horse. Can you tell us how many animals you have? I am a huge animal lover. I call my house the zoo. I have 35 pets. Wow. Seven dogs, six flying squirrels, three cats. Six ferrets, a pony, a parrot, rats, 
and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Paris, I think that's wonderful. Well, you know, I know all of our fans at American Humane Association and your fans know that you did a wonderful PSA, a public service announcement, really talking about the work of American Humane Association. And that one public service announcement reached over 30 million people in a matter of minutes that's past fall. How does that feel that you can reach so many people about your love for animals in such a short amount of time? It's really incredible. I love social media, and I think it's amazing how we can reach people all around the world for these animals who don't have a voice and they can't speak for themselves. So the fact that I could do something as filming a video or tweeting or something about a cause that I really believe in, that there's going to be over 30 million people around the world watching and listening and seeing and raising awareness for those who are really in need of it, and that's what really matters. Well, what do you have planned for the rest of your spring? Because I know lots of friends are on spring break as we are recording this show. So what do you have planned next? Oh, my goodness. My spring break is very full of work. I've been traveling all around the world. I just got back from Germany two days ago, and now I'm here in Miami. I'm going to be going to Miami after this for the Ultra Music Festival and finish recording my new album. And then I'm off to the Philippines again for my new uh, real estate project. And I'm just enjoying springtime. Great. We all saw and, and read about your real estate project. Are those wonderful new hotels pet friendly? Of course they are. <laughs> I thought they would be, so that's wonderful. Any final comments or remarks to our friends? I just want to say hello to everyone, all the animal lovers out there. I love you all. And everyone should continue fighting for animal rights and doing what's right and giving back in life. And that's why I love American Humane and Red Star Rescue because they're incredible. They have saved so many lives and I want them to continue to do that. So everyone support them and thank you for listening and I love you guys. Thank you. That was Paris Hilton, the recipient of our National Humanitarian Medal. This is Dr. Robin Ganser. Thank you and remember, be humane. What an inspiration to so many and really a a force of nature. Paris Hilton has done so much for animals. And again, through her work and her outreach, we were able to reach tens of millions of people on one evening just to educate them about how to be responsible pet owners and how to really get engaged with the American Humane Association. It's a testament to her good work that people came to see her and celebrate with her just a few weeks ago in Florida. You know, we thank Paris for her leadership in the humane movement. Especially want to thank our special guest today, Dr. Marty Becker, for his incredible contributions to just not only the veterinarians in this country, but to all of us who have a very special animal in our lives. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Be Humane. Until then, let's all work together to build a more humane world. Thank you, and let's remember to all be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.